Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to the art of being you. You guys, we are on the downhill stretch to a monumental milestone, something I am actually really, really excited about. We are almost to 100 episodes on the art of being you. This could not have happened without you guys helping me spread the word. In fact, even recently, we've had a a lot more traction and a lot more Uh, Our reach is growing, and that's because you guys are supporting the podcast by sharing it with your friends, telling people about it, posting on social media, and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for that. So in honor of 100 episodes, I'm going to be doing a giveaway. I've never done anything like this before, but I'm really looking forward to it, and we're going to be giving away two different things, I believe, and so what it's going to look like is it'll primarily be related to social media. So go ahead if you don't already and Follow me on Instagram and make sure we're friends on Facebook or you're following my page on Facebook. Uh, You can find me at Rachel Wartman on Instagram. If you don't know how to spell my name, just look at your phone. It's written on the title of this podcast. And uh, yeah, follow me there because that's where we're going to be giving the details. But in honor of our 100th episode, which is going to drop on June 29th, we're going to be doing a pretty epic giveaway. I think we might do a $100 um, cash prize for one of the things. And I don't know what else we're going to give away something really fun. So make sure you're following me on social media as we're figuring that out. And I just want to say a huge thank you. If you do already follow me, you probably saw a couple weeks ago, I did a poll uh, just looking to see what kind of episodes you guys were interested in. And so many of you uh, responded, and I'm really thankful for that. And one of the most voted for episodes was on tips on and keys on how to overcome sin in your life. And so that's what we're going to do today. Without further ado, we're going to dive into three keys to overcoming sin in your life. But before we get into that, I need to give you a little bit of a theological snapshot. And what I mean by snapshot is that I'm going to spend about a minute explaining something I think I could spend an hour diving into. So if you're interested, uh, turn in your Bibles or or make a note on your phone to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. And I want you to understand something. You and I probably are the same in this way. I grew up hearing that I have a sin nature, that I will always be a sinner, that the way that I relate to God is as a sinner saved by grace, that is my nature, that that I will always kind of default to that. And some of you guys may have heard that growing up. Others of you may actually currently believe that as well. In the last several years, as I began to really explore what the Bible actually says pertaining sin, I was blown away. Now, what I'm not saying is that we are sinless people. That's absolutely untrue. And anyone who would ever purport that is just blatantly wrong. The New Testament is filled with scriptures about our need to confess our sin. So even as a new creation, we do have a need to confess our sin. But I want to challenge you to begin to understand you actually, when you are in Christ, do not have a sin nature. 
The idea of a sin nature really is rooted in a couple of different scriptures, and it's not actually when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, which you might be thinking. But in Genesis chapter 4, specifically in verse 7, we see the story of Cain and Abel. You guys know the story of two brothers. One was a farmer, one was a shepherd. They brought a sacrifice to the Lord, and it turns out that God is not vegan. God approved the meat sacrifice and did not approve the vegetarian sacrifice for reasons not what I just said. But when he's talking to Cain about this sacrifice being rejected, he says something that you and I need to hear. This is what it says, Genesis chapter 4, verse 7 in the Amplified Version. If you do well, believing me and doing what is acceptable and pleasing to me, this is God speaking about Cain's sacrifice, will you not be accepted? Now hear this. And if you do not do well, but ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is for you to overpower you, but you must master it. So this is Cain. This is Adam and Eve's first generation offspring. And God is not saying, listen, Cain, you are a sinner. God actually says sin is outside of you trying to get in. Now, this has huge implications for you and I, right? Because what does it mean if we don't have an inherently sinful nature? What does it mean if, as God's creation, we are not actually born to do only wrong all the days of our life? Now, again, what I'm not saying is that we are born perfect, that we are born sinless, that we will never, you know, that we have the option to never sin in our life. I believe that was solely reserved for Jesus. But what I am saying is that in Christ, sin does not have mastery over you unless you open the door to it. This is pretty radical thinking. The other verse that we get the idea of a sin nature from is in Psalms 51 verse 5. And it's David talking and he said, I was brought forth in a state of wickedness. This is the Amplified Translation. In sin, my mother conceived me and from my beginning, I too was sinful. So this is sort of this understanding that I was born in sin. I I was a sinner even from birth. But what's missing from this is the context of what David was actually saying. Scholars over the last 20 years have begun to understand that David, King David, was probably actually an illegitimate son of Jesse. This would be why Jesse did not include him in his presentation to Samuel when Samuel said, I want to look at your sons, because David was not actually a legitimate child. I personally believe this. This is my personal opinion. You can't prove it. I can't prove it. But this is what I believe is actually being said, that David was essentially, for lack of a better word, a bastard child. And he was conceived in sin. And this is what he says in Psalm 51. Not only was he conceived in sin, but in that culture, when you were born in that way, you were considered sinful. So if we look at these two verses that we get this idea we have a sinful nature from, and we begin to say, wait a second, maybe it's not saying that I am a slave to sin, that I am helpless to sin. What is it actually saying? If you and I are going to overcome sin in our life, it's going to be because we understand what sin is and we understand what Jesus has done on the cross. When we get to that place, we begin to have mastery over sin. This is what God invites us into in the conversation with Cain, right? He's saying to Cain, look, sin is at your door. It's knocking. It wants to come in. It wants to rule you. And I think God is saying that to you as well. Sin is waiting at your door. It wants to rule you. But you don't have to let it. 
If that's true for Cain, just having been, you know, his mother and father, just having been cast out of the Garden of Eden, it is absolutely true for you and I on the other side of the cross where the blood of Jesus has actually finished the payment for your sin. Wait a second. This is absolutely revolutionary. So here's what I need you to do. These are the three keys, the three keys to overcoming sin. Number one, get clear. Get clear about what sin is. We need to embrace what Jesus paid for. Why is something a sin in the first place? We need to ask these questions. What is causing you to do it? When we get clear on the sin in our life, we begin to identify what we are trying to master. We begin to identify what it is that's trying to overtake us. You cannot get free of sin until you have dealt with what the cross has done for you, what Jesus paid for for you. you got to embrace what Jesus did. You have to understand he paid the punishment of sin so that you don't have to fight it. I'm not saying you give in to it. I'm saying you take mastery over it. This is insane when you really stop and think about it. So the first key to overcoming sin, we're going to get clear about what sin is, and we're going to get clear about what the cross did. What is sin? Well, sin is disobedience to God. That's the most simple way to say it. Sin is disobeying God in his creation and in the created things. In other words, one of the best ways to look at sin, in my opinion, is in Deuteronomy. There's this crazy story where God says to the people, I've set before you today a mountain of curses and a mountain of blessing. And basically he lets the people choose which mountain do you want to live on? If you live on this mountain, the mountain of blessing, That means you're doing good things and good things are happening to you. It's not because we're earning his approval. It's because we're in the cycle of how the creation works. For example, if you have an an automatic transition car, transmission car, and you're trying to drive it like like a manual, well, you're going to have some big problems. Why? Because the car was not designed for that. If you continue to use it in that way, something bad is going to happen. The car's going to break. It's the same with our physical bodies. The physical body was not designed to live only on milk and honey. Now, I'm going to say it like this. God loves milk and honey, right? God loves sweets. He created them on purpose, but it's not supposed to be the fullness of what we eat. And so if all we do is put in bad things to our body, well, we can't be surprised when the body starts to break down. This is the mountain of curses and the mountain of blessing. When we choose to do things the way that God created them, it just works. Things go better for you. We don't do it because we're trying to get the better thing. We're doing it because we are honoring the one who created life. When we choose to go down the mountain of curses, the same. We choose to do something different than how God created it, and we cannot expect it to work for us in a different way. The ocean will always have salt water. We can try to put as many filters on it. We can try to come up with all kinds of ways to take the saltiness out, but it will always be salty because it was created that way. So when we get clear on what sin is, at the most basic fundamental level, we look and we see sin is anything that is against what God has said. 
It's against what God has created. The Bible gives us some incredible things about sin, talks about gossip, jealousy, envy, striving, uh, arrogance, and pride, talks about all the sexual-oriented sins, talks about all of the sins like fear and, and worry and doubt and all of these types of things. The Bible gives us a tool to see what is sin, but essentially at the most fundamental thing, sin is disobedience to God. Okay, so the first key is getting clear, understanding what sin is, right? And the second thing we have to do, the second key is find the root to your sin. Find the root to your sin. So if we're operating under the understanding that you and I can serve the Lord with joy and we do not have to let sin master us, I'm not saying you'll be perfect. I'm not saying you won't fall into a sin ditch from time to time, but that we actually can live our lives free from sin, right? This is what Paul says, to throw aside every weight, every entanglement, every obstacle so that we can run our race with Jesus. Well, sin is one of those things, right? So what does it look like for you? Well, you have to figure out why that sin is enticing to you. Why do you like it? Now, you might be saying to me, look, I don't like it. I'm telling you, if you're still doing it in your life, you do. There's something about it that gratifies you. It could be this. Sometimes we have a relationship with shame and we are so comfortable with feeling shame that we continue to do something we know is bad because we don't know how to feel good about ourselves. We only know how to feel shame. And so we keep putting ourselves in a position where all we do is feel shame. Sometimes it's that. Other times it's that we secretly like this thing we're doing, even though we know we're not supposed to. If you're going to overcome sin in your life, you need to find the root. Why do you like doing that thing? And what is it doing for you? Can we get super practical for a second? Let me talk about it like this. A couple of sins that come to my mind that are just really common, things that we do, that people do regularly. Well, getting drunk, that's a big one, right? A lot of people drink way past the limit of their own body. They drink in excess and they enjoy it. They like that. They like the feeling that it brings, okay? Obviously, sex, sex outside of marriage, all types of sexual sin, including pornography. Uh, We've got drugs, but then we've got stuff like gossip. We've got stuff like pride, We've got stuff like fear. Well, wait a second. Is fear a sin? Well, in some cases, yes. In other cases, no. Fear is also an emotion. But fear as a lifestyle? Well, yeah, the Bible's telling us not to fear, to trust God. When we've had ample opportunity to learn to trust in God, but we still continue to fear, well, I think it becomes a sin in that place. So, When we're looking at these things and we're saying, which of this is the most important to you? Let's just take gossip, for example. So the Bible says don't gossip. Okay, so we know it's a sin, but then we do it, right? We get with our friends and we do it anyway. We tell things we shouldn't say. We we share something about somebody else. Why? Because it makes us feel good. Here's what you have to understand if you're going to get clear and you're going to get to the root. Why does it make you feel good? Does it give you a feeling of superiority over that person? Does it give you a feeling of escape? If you're really indulging in sexual sin, this is what you got to do. You have to look at the root. Is it loneliness that you're trying to to cure? Is it that you want to feel accepted, that you feel rejected, and you're trying to use sex to to counteract that feeling, that you're trying to look for that moment when you feel desired by someone and that's feeding a need in you and so you continue to do it? 
Can you see how powerful it is in your life when you actually start thinking about why you do the things you do? Those things begin to lose power. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get clear. What is sin and what has the cross done? What is it actually finished for your sin? The second thing you're going to do is you're going to find the root of your sin. Why do you like it? Why do you keep doing it even though you know it's bad? And the third thing is you've got to hold yourself accountable. You've got to tell somebody. When you bring something into the light, you've probably heard this phrase before, but when you bring something into the light, it loses its power, right? Shame is such a powerful motivator. We are so afraid of what someone is going to think about our humanity. We're so afraid of what someone's going to think when they find out that we're not perfect and we forget that they already know we're not perfect. They already see things about you that you're not even aware of. Bring your crap into the light. If you don't have anybody in your life that you can trust to be honest with, that needs to be your number one goal this year. Find someone you can trust. Find someone. Hire someone. If you can't find anybody in your life, hire a counselor so that you, like online, they've got all these amazing counselor places now so that you can actually have somebody you can confess to. When we talk about accountability, holding yourself accountable and holding, having other people hold you accountable, we are not talking about holding yourself accountable to rake yourself over the coals, whip yourself on the back and punish yourself. We're talking about accountability unto your new creation self calling you higher. Here's what that looks like with the people in my life. When someone comes to me and says, this is what I've been doing more often than not. My first thing is, look, this is not who you are. It absolutely might feel like who you are, but let's start figuring out why you are driven to treat people like they don't matter. Let's start talking about why you are driven to to sit in fear. I, I don't know. It depends on what the sin is, right? But we're going to get to the root. And then the accountability process is going to be challenging you to obtain and live from what Jesus has done for you. Look, you need to hear me say this. You do not have to be a slave to the sin in your life. It might be addiction. It, it might be a, a, a complete way of life for you. And you do not have to let it master you. The cross, the blood of Jesus, what God has done for you is enough to break you free. But the way you're going to break free is by making sure you're not holding the key to the lock on your leg. Look, so often we're begging God for a breakthrough and we are the barrier. I remember years ago, and I'll, I'll just kind of wrap it up with this story. We had been married maybe two years at this point. And my husband had looked at some pornography online and we had like those filter things set up, you know, and so it sends you an email to let you know, like when you looked at these different sites and man, this had happened a few times before. I would never say to someone, you have an addiction if it's happening intermittently, right? Intermittently is not an addiction. Addiction is like a daily thing, but he had a struggle with this at this point. And I just was so heartbroken. I felt rejected. I felt embarrassed. I just felt like unwanted. I felt fat. I felt, you know, all the things that women typically feel when this is happening. And I will never forget this moment. My husband and I were talking about it and I just was letting him have it. How dare you, you know, just, oh, you're so, blah, you're right. And he was really quiet for a moment and he looked at me and he said, you know, I just wonder if you prayed for me as much as you were angry at me, 
what difference that would make in my life. Yikes, right? Yikes. And in that moment, although maybe he and I wouldn't articulate it the same way today, this is like like 15 years ago, in that moment, I realized that this was a spiritual issue and I was treating it from my flesh. I was treating a spiritual issue from a natural way, right? We, we were looking at it completely wrong. And what God was inviting us into was having a completely different perspective. At some point in the next two years, I don't know exactly when, but God began to really break out in my husband. He began to have a completely different perspective, not only of himself, but of God and of pornography and all of that. And he's been free of this for a really, really long time. Not to say that he's not tempted at times, that I'm not tempted at times. Different, you know, shows I had to just stop watching because there's, it's like you, you can't fast forward through the crap scenes enough. It's not to say that you won't be tempted, but to be able to know why you're abstaining from the thing that is going to hold you back is a priceless piece of revelation. And that is what you need if you are going to get free. Don't fight your battles from the realm of the flesh. Fight them from the spirit, knowing who you are. Sin is standing at your door, but God is saying to you what he said to Cain. You cannot, you can keep it from having mastery over you. You can say no. So let's just do a super quick review. Three keys to overcoming sin. Number one, you're going to get clear. You're going to define what is the sin and why is it a sin. You're going to get clear about the power of the blood of Jesus. If that's where you're at and you're feeling confusion about that, ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. He will show you. Look, Jesus paid a high price for your freedom, and he will absolutely direct you into all things that bring you into freedom in him. So get clear. Number two, find the root. Figure out why you like doing that thing. Expose it. Bring it into the light. And that brings us to our third and final key. Get somebody to hold you accountable. Get somebody you can talk to about it so that it's no longer your own personal issue. Get supported by believers who are going to champion your new creation self, the new man, the the spirit man in you or spirit woman in you to rise to the surface. So listen, friends, I just want you to know, you may not agree with everything that I'm saying today, and that's absolutely okay. There is room enough in the world for us to bear two different opinions of what the Word of God says. But I want to encourage you, no matter what you believe theologically, know this, you do not have to succumb to sin. You don't have to. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.